Brush is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist. A fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code POD15, P-O-D-1-5. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15, that's P-O-D-1-5, to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. Divisions have been won, classics have fallen, eight remain. And this week, the Elite Eight and a Half of Multiplex Madness Forever begins. Genres will clash as only two can advance to the final four weddings and a funeral. Two Best Picture winners take on two generational favorites. It's Clarice versus Woody and Mrs. Doubtfire versus Mrs. Dawson. Rose Dawson. On this, the 150th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's in the Box Office. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah. And uh, Brian, you mentioned you had a uh, funny little line for the end of your intro there, and you did. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) I, after you mentioned that, made some sort of crack about what the line would be. Mm. But because I was at least half asleep, I don't remember what it was. Do you? Oh, God. Ahmad, do you remember what this could have been? a new game. I don't remember what it was either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'll never think of it. No, no, no. Something like, where's the beef? Oh, that does sound familiar. Uh, But no. Before any Titanic purist jumped down my throat, I know she says just Dawson Rose Dawson. She doesn't say Mrs. She's not married to him. Uh, but I had to do it for the top fire. Uh, it, it had to be done. No, our 150th episode. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes. Unreal. I couldn't think of two better guests to have the host and the temporary co-host of the, <laughs> the Thinking Outside the Boombox podcast, Ahmad and Karen. Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Ahmad, welcome back, Karen. You're a first timer. This is a whole different than anything else you've been on with us. Our our vibes were very serious here. Yeah, this, we're not joking. I know I made a joke, but that is the last joke I will make. Yeah, that's why I remarked on it actually, because it was truly out of out of the box. I thought I could celebrate. It's our fifth, 150th. That's a big episode. I thought I'll throw in a joke. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have warned her. This is no how to get away with the podcast. This is a whole different. No, thing. no, no, no. Nah. Yeah, no should no. I have worn a suit? I'm, I'm feeling very underdressed. I, well, you brought it up, so I think we can talk about it. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> It would have been nice. <laughs> oh, no, there goes my camera. <laughs> Since you can't see me, uh, I, I, I want to make it clear that I am wearing a suit. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> this is not the NBA logo. <laughs> really off to a rip-roaring start here for 150. Exactly. You mentioned that on the podcast. Yeah, nose camera, finicky. <laughs> I, just, I just want the listeners to be clued in. Listen, uh, this is a tournament. We're doing it, and um, we're so excited to have you both on because you just finished a tournament of your own. You guys are actually done with yours. You're coming on uh, to celebrate. This is, I think you're sick <laughs> of tournaments and matchups, but um, we appreciate you being here. Um, this is exciting, Noah. We have... Uh, uh, matchups one, matchups one. Yeah, we've had a few weeks of matchups being one. Um, divisions have been won. Films are representing their genres now, and they're going up against other genres. We have uh, four 
movies, eight movies. God, I'm so out of it. Four movies. Here we go. Four movies. Battling it out uh, for two spots in the final four winnings. And if you don't know, Ahmad and Karen, we we offered uh, the choice of matchups. You picked these four. Any particular reason these four were your choices? Uh. Just upon hearing the options, mm-hmm. I my my visceral reaction was I cannot watch Speed for another five years. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you not like Speed, or was it just a lot? The I, traumatic experience with a book. <laughs> <laughs> like the CTA. Lately? I think it. No, it's a delightful movie. Mm. Um, but I think if I watch it too many times back to back i'll start to nitpick it and it won't be as enjoyable anymore oh interesting. i need to let my memory of it fade a little sure. bit sure sure and then it'll be delightful again in like 2032 <laughs> oh wow wow that's a long <laughs> time we started we started with five years. Said five years now five it's years 12 years we <laughs> doubled that and then some <laughs> The more I think about it, I never want to watch Speed again. I'm really excited to be buried with a copy of Speed. I think my second experience with it will be really good. I know what someone's getting for her birthday this year. (laughs) I second that. Speed 2. It's going to be Speed 2, Cruise Control. Yeah, on Blu-ray. That's what I'm going to get you. Oh, that's oh yeah. It, Keanu Reeves did not return. Uh, Sandra Bullock did. takes place on a boat. Ah, can't drop below 13 knots. That's not true. Is that true? I don't think that's true. No, I don't know. I don't think that's true. I don't I haven't know. seen I, Speed 2 in 20 years. It's bad luck uh, for Sandra's character. Yeah, she's the star. Of the, well, it's it sucks because she's the star of the movie, and then they bring on Jason Patrick as her love interest, and then he does most of the action stuff. But Willem Dafoe's the bad guy. That's a lot of fun. Huh. Uh, it's, it's on a big cruise ship, and then uh, the ending is that cruise ship just like slowly slams into a pier. It's very Speaking of Tenet with that plane. I thought you... I thought you were going to say it slams into an iceberg. Slams <laughs> into an iceberg. Like, uh, Jason really? Patrick dies. Um, the second half of the movie, real good. <laughs> yeah, I only watched the second half uh, where the, the big boat sinks. Um, speaking of big boat sinking, uh, this show is a train wreck. And we are talking about a big boat sinking. The winner of the Spike Lee division, the drama representation, defeating some heavy contestants. Uh, Noah, to, to come out of here. I mean, Pulp Fiction uh, alone, this beat I Titanic, still, the one seed. I'm sad about it. R.I.P. Uh, truly. Against the, uh, these are two, the only two one seeds that'll face each other this episode. The winner of the Mel Brooks division, also facing some heavy hitters, mainly Jim Carrey movies and his own movies. Uh, the one seed, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, before we begin, any thoughts from the panel? Uh, by the way, these are these are this is the most amount. Oh, this is not the most amount of people we've had on this podcast. Never mind. Um, any thoughts about the uh, matchups? Well, how do we expect this to go, Noah? I think Titanic is going to be real tough for Mrs. Doubtfire to take down. Well, it's a big I'm ship, not, and she's you know she's just yeah. one 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 woman. I'm not even sure. I'm very, uh, I'm very excited to see. You know, Ahmad, we spoke briefly last night. Uh, yeah. Big, uh, real into Titanic over there. I think. Just <laughs> glad to see how the uh, the, uh-huh. the, qu- the quality question is going to work out. I'm, I know where be, I lean, but it's I don't gonna know. It's going to be a fun, fun conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ahmad, what about you? How do we think this is going to go? There, let, let me explain as well for Karen. There are five categories. Uh, 
and the listener. Five categories, first to three wins. The first one is just a math one, bigger profit relative to budget. Don't worry, I took care of that. Put the calculator away. Second one, quality of the movie itself. Third is harder road to success. Then the let Noah, think of a 2000s example while I say this. Two legacy categories, legacy of the film itself and then legacy of the participants. For example... Oh God! Uh, the only—I swear to God—the only movie that's coming to mind is *The Green Hornet*. <laughs> okay, let's 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 pick a successful movie um, that might be. In I don't think that was the 2000s. Uh, uh, no, it probably wasn't actually. Juno. Okay, great. So the the legacy of the film itself. So is Juno revered today? Do people talk about it? Is it looked upon still? Uh, in good acclaim? Did it spawn any kind of uh, trend? or specific um, uh, copycats of the film itself. And then the legacy of the participants of Juno, how big was it in Elliot Page's career or Jason Reitman? Uh, is it a bright spot? Did it launch anybody? That kind of thing. Those are the, the two legacy categories. So knowing that, uh, Ahmad and Karen, how do we think this matchup is going to play out? What, what are our expectations? Um, I don't want to tip my my hat too much, but I will say um, that a my dream tournament matchup for the championship is Titanic Lion King. I mean, might as well say it. last last year you got your wish. So no, <laughs> so, sorry, two two the two years, yeah, two yeah. tournaments ago, yeah. Um, I think Titanic Lion King would be very interesting for a final. Um, but. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what what happens in this this specific Titanic Doubtfire matchup. I think it'll be, I think we'll have a lot to say. You know, the the Lion King Titanic matchup is interesting because it would be almost this. It would be the same as Multiplex Madness 2000, where Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon won the genre division, and Finding Nemo won the family film division, and they met each other. And it would be the same thing here. Karen, That's what about cool. you? How do we feel about these two movies facing each other? Uh, sorry about Titanic. How about no? Yeah, Titanic, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, obviously, you've been uh, prepped on my feelings about Titanic, <laughs> but um, we were I, warned. I, I, yes. I think that Mrs. Doubtfire will hold its own. I don't know how the math mm. of it all will shake out, but it's a high quality movie. I will. I, think I will it'll tell be an you. Interesting conversation. Let's start that conversation then. The one seed Titanic against the one seed Mrs. Doubtfire. Titanic released December 19th, 1999. Opening weekend, $28.6 million. Final gross, $600 million domestic. Mrs. Doubtfire was released November 24th, 1993. Opening weekend, $27 million. It opened the Wednesday of Thanksgiving, so Wednesday to Sunday, $27 million. Final gross, $219. All right, our first category, bigger profit relative to budget. Titanic cost $200 million to make, and then it went on to gross $1.8 billion, the most of any film in history at the time. That's a profit of 900%. Mrs. Doubtfire had a budget of $25 million, and it grossed 441 worldwide. That's a profit of 1764 Again, an example of the lower the budget, the better your chances are of uh, the percentage. Game one goes to Mrs. Doubtfire. How about that? That's, uh, that's going to be a big win, I think. I always think. You always think that, category. Yeah. <laughs> it's your favorite category. <laughs> All right, let's get into a quality of movie. Uh, Noah, we'll start with you because we know how you feel. Yes, uh, I am not fond of Titanic, and I think Mrs. Doubtfire is very good. Uh, so my vote goes to Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. What about you, Ahmad? How do we feel? Uh, I'm voting Titanic here. Um, 
I love Mrs. Doubtfire. I think it's a hilarious movie. Great performance from Robin Williams. But we watched Titanic yesterday, uh, Karen, for probably the, uh, what was it, 176 times? 264. 264, sorry, excuse me. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> me for the second time. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was such a great watch. Like, movie is like three hours and ten minutes long, and I didn't even, it, it, it meant nothing to me. Like, it, it just rolled through. The second half was incredible. Like once the iceberg actually came into play. Sure. Like it was riveting, entertaining. It was moving. The emotional depth of the performances. I love it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm voting Titanic. Boy, that's such a large discrepancy in the amount of times you each have seen that movie. And you spend so much time, so much of your lives together. I'm surprised it doesn't overlap more. <laughs> that's true. Most of my Titanic watching happened well before I met Ahmad. Let's talk about it, Karen. What's your history of Titanic? Why are you picking it over Mrs. Doubtfire? I don't actually know what year it was that I discovered Titanic, but mm-hmm. I remember renting it as a two VHS set from Blockbuster. Um, I remember the rest of my family falling asleep and myself being enchanted both by the love story and the grandeur of the special effects. Um, the movie, I, I probably rented it another 10 times to my family's dismay. Um, mm-hmm. And it sparked a, a long period of um, interest in maritime disasters of the 20th century. Oh, interesting. So I was a super popular kid, just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like real life night. ones. Like, like <laughs> yeah, the Wreck of like the Edmund the Lusitania and the Mauritania. And <laughs> a lot of them just fell over. Um, <laughs> fell over? <laughs> yeah, a lot of them just capsized. I think Goodness too many gracious. people were on one side of the boat. And it that didn't work pleasant. out. But, wasn't um, the Lusitania shot down? Wasn't that a big thing? That I think I remember shot that right? down. Off, uh, World yeah, War I. it's already on the. What do you? It's our, it's not in the air. Yeah, but it went farther down. <laughs> <laughs> shot down into the ocean, into the depths yeah. of the sea. I see. Exactly. <laughs> I see. Uh, see, when you were first saying a uh, sparked an interest in naval disasters, I thought you were talking about like the Poseidon. The Poseidon adventure. adventure, yeah. The movies with Nate, with the uh, yeah. No, just, just the, the more interesting what, ones. what went wrong at sea, and I can sure. <laughs> you would. <laughs> Have I ever been on a cruise before? No, but I no. know a lot about maritime disasters. Why would you? You spent your dedicated your life to how things go wrong on those. Let times. me tell everybody exactly how this could fail. <laughs> Gather around. She's just like putting, yeah, you're putting your ear to the wall and like banging. Like, mm, I don't know. Just the, counting the lifeboats. Three eighths of an inch thick. I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, have you seen Mrs. Doubtfire? I guess I have. I have. Uh, it was a formative movie of my childhood too. Sure. Didn't spark any special research. Um, it's still a you solid film. You didn't research. Uh, identity theft or uh impersonating people or dinosaurs divorce law costume design how to be a good dad any sure. any number of things that <laughs> just the the career of harvey feierstein that didn't you know i say uh okay so i had both of these on vhs i think i had the titanic too do you remember karen you've seen this a lot do you remember the moment where it stops on the first tape oh and Is when it, it is it after the after the 
bow of, bow of the, the ship, like the two of them doing the MK oh, of the world? Oh, yes, yes, the, yes, 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 okay. yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's after the iceberg hits. It, but the exact scene, if I'm not mistaken, is when they the the guy who makes the ship and like the, the guy who financed it like rolls out the blueprints and he does a thing where he goes like here and here and he's doing that hand oh. thing he goes here and here and here and then i think the last line is like how long do we have and he goes like an hour maybe two but titanic will sink something like that i think that's the last yeah scene, I would say. yeah um i watched the shit out of both of these as a kid um and uh i have great affinity for both as i've gotten older um Titanic has fallen in esteem. Uh, I think there's some script problems. Uh, I don't know how good Leonardo DiCaprio is in it, but um, I still, the technical aspects of it are just so commendable and gripping and just like how they did that is stunning. Um, so my vote is also Titanic. Uh, I do love ah. Doubtfire. I do love Doubtfire, but I think as far as talking about a better movie, I think that the, the, the way that Titanic was made and just the spectacle it puts on for its last hour and a half is just... <clears throat> really stunning and it's one of the movies that i wish i could have seen in a theater with a crowd mm. uh, i wish i could have seen it twice opening weekend people didn't know what to expect and then like five weeks later when it was only people who had seen it before and were like ready to cry and yeah. love leonardo dicaprio like i just want I, I want those experiences so it is it is titanic i do uh i've talked about this before on the podcast but i do love how frankly doubtfire addresses uh divorce and how realistically it ends with them not getting back together and them having him having the kids taken away because of what he did by the judge is like no that's not okay uh you can't you're the same person yeah. yeah um and Rob Williams also obviously great but uh, no it is titanic okay so that is uh everyone has titanic it's tied except for noah who has it yes. uh, 2-0 uh okay harder road to success so this is something where we talk about the fact that titanic made basically titanic obviously became the highest grossing film of all time domestically the previous record holder for the biggest grossing movie was jurassic park with with like 356 which was four years earlier so what we have to think about is the harder road to success titanic the film getting so much higher than the previous record holder or Mrs. Doubtfire uh, making 219, which I'm going to look it up now, but I think was like far and away Robin Williams' highest grossing live action film. It was coming a year after Aladdin, which is huge for him um, and huge for his popularity. So it might have been the case of like, you know, he had just broke broke out. He was a huge star, but relatively among children anyway. Um broke out with Aladdin the year prior. And then this is obviously very family oriented. Uh, so that just kind of led into the other one also directed by the director of home alone helps. Um, mm. But I'm looking up Robin Williams filmography uh, Titanic, just some backstory as far as what I know. Uh, James Cameron obviously had very prolific before this aliens, big hit Terminator two, which is still in the, the, the tournament um, huge hit six years before this and then true lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis three years before this movie, two years. I don't know. Uh, also a pretty big hit. No one in the cast was big. Obviously this is what launched Leonardo DiCaprio. This was not like, you know, the big Leonardo DiCaprio star that everyone was excited to see because of him and just enormous legs. We're looking at, you know, is that part of the harder road? It, it opened with 28 million and then went on to make 600 is pretty, um, 
Remarkable. Yeah, so this is easily his biggest Robin Williams live action. This is 219. The second up prior to Mrs. Doubtfire was Good Morning Vietnam six years earlier with 123. So it's $100 million more that this made coming off of Titanic. But also – or coming off of Aladdin. But also for Titanic, uh, the film was delayed several times. The budget kept blooming and there was a narrative in the press that it was going to be a huge flop, that it was going to be, it was, you know, stressing out 20th Century Fox. They were spending too much money on it. They didn't like what it was and that it was just going to be this huge disaster. So it overcoming that with no real bankable stars and grossing 300 million more than the previous record holder, or is it uh, Robin Williams, um, basically carrying this movie alone to uh to 213 noah we'll start with uh with you because i just gave a lot right. of information my i don't know i i'm i'm tempted to vote doubtfire here because that's just such a crazy high number for robin williams and for just a, a comedy movie to make but i don't think i can overlook uh just becoming the highest grossing movie by a, just such an incredibly wide margin. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't narrowly beat out the last one. It, it blew it away. And I don't think anyone in their right mind would have predicted that going in. Okay. Um, so my vote, my vote is Titanic. Karen, what about you? What do you think? I get through a lot of information that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because of all of the structural stuff that you just mentioned, Mm-hmm. I would say Titanic. I, I think this is probably not the first or the last movie that Robin Williams carried on his own. Mm. Okay. Uh, Maude, what about you? You feel the same? Yeah, I also went with um, Titanic. Uh, getting to $1.8 billion, becoming the mm-hmm. highest gross- grossing movie and staying there for 12 years, Like that yep. is not something I would have seen coming from the like eighth movie made about this disaster at this point. So yeah. Yeah. I, I am as well. Uh, the sheer numbers alone, uh, and just the legs that it had, it, it took so long for it to get to that mark. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely, you know, it, it, the fact that it took so long to get to 600 million gave like American audiences so much time to forget about it and be disinterested in it. And they just didn't. So I'm, I'm giving it to, uh, Titanic as well. So where does that leave us? No, you, you, you got to keep track of these scores. Yeah, <clears throat> I am keeping track of the scores. Right. Uh, Titanic is winning. Uh, has not sealed the deal yet. Okay. Legacy of the film itself. So let's talk about some stats. Titanic was the number one film of 1997. Number one at the box office for 15 weeks. Uh, number one film of all time and the number one film worldwide. First movie, obviously, to cross... Uh, 400 million, 500 million, 600 million in the US, and first movie to cross a billion worldwide. 75 on Metacritic, 14 Oscar nominations. It won 11 of them, tying the record holder uh, with Ben Hur for 11. And Mrs. Doubtfire was the number two film of 1993. Noah, what was the number one? Of 1993? Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't Forrest Gump, no. because that's the <laughs> one you always ask me about, and that's 94. <laughs> So instead, it was... 93. We've talked about it in this tournament. We've talked about it I'm today sure we already. We've talked about it today, today already. already. Wow. Uh, 
Not by name, but just oh yes, by name. I, I've I've said the name of the movie. Oh god, I I don't know. Terminator it, Two. It's the movie that Titanic beat for the record holder. Jurassic oh Park. damn it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Fifty three on Metacritic for Mrs. Doubtfire, and it won Best Makeup at the Oscars. So, the legacy of the movie itself is it still revered? How do people feel about it now? Did it lead to more films of its ilk? Uh, how do we feel? Let's start with uh, Karen. How, how do you feel about this? These stats. I mean, I I think that Titanic was such a huge undertaking that it was basically impossible to for it to have spawned other films of its ilk. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, I can recall many movies in the early 2000s about men dressing up as women to achieve various goals. Um, <laughs> so we all remember where we all remember where we were when we saw Sorority Boys. I agree. <laughs> no one knows what that is. Some, it's fine. Some it's more nefarious than others. I think I know that one. I'm sure. I haven't seen it, but you shouldn't. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, I also don't know. I, I think even I, as a former Titanic superfan, had come to sort of look on the plot as a little cornied and simplistic. Sure. Um, and I think even yesterday I felt that way until we got to the second half of the movie. So I, yeah, yeah, I, I guess in, in summary, I would say in terms of a better story and probably a, a better current reputation i would say mrs doubtfire i mean I, f- I feel like if titanic took place on you know if, if, if that same story was applied to some other thing it wasn't on a giant sinking ship it wouldn't be like revered as one of the great love stories of all time there's i, I was telling them out about this they say each other's names too much <laughs> uh the the idea that you know Kathy Bates is like, oh, my son's clothes fit you perfectly. I mean, just what are we talking about here? Um, Cal is just such a cartoon villain. Like he just he's really? framing also him. Like a He's a Red Butler. Ooh, oh, interesting. It's a good call. Now it's been it's been a few years since I watched Titanic, mm-hmm. uh, but the the general gist is that they're like uh, Leo and Kate are like children, right? They're like 17. I don't think they ever mention their age. Uh, do they? I don't know. Not I'll that see I if remember. We, I'm going to see if Wikipedia has an answer. At the beginning. Yeah, she's like 12 or something. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I asked because my, my memory of Billy Zane is that he's like a fully fledged adult. It says she's 17 on like, Wikipedia. Okay. And is that, is that weird? I mean, obviously, like historically not. Uh, is what weird just, that they're so in no, does, it, does it seem weird that billy zane seems like he's like 35 i'm sure he is i'm and, sure he's and, yeah he's in his 20s at least and they are betrothed but that's the whole thing right where her mom's like just do it we're broke and she's like but he's gross and i don't like him and he's you know i want to spit on him and stuff and um, she does. i think if he ever showed her any affection it would be grosser but all we saw him do was slap her he around. that's true he didn't show her affection he gave her a giant necklace what's more a thoughtful <laughs> than that <laughs> it, was a, it was a particular i don't know how, much, how else you can show your love is as dearly and clearly as that that um, necklace was way too heavy for her neck he wasn't thinking about her <laughs> she's never gonna wear that necklace like where would you ever wear that necklace it's gonna be just smacking to, you in the in on the, the return on the Whoa. return voyage on the Titanic, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> he 
his henchmen, you know, him swinging around the column with that gun and then just yelling like his parting words and was, hope you enjoy your time together. Like it's just, he is just like, he is, he would like tie her to a railroad track if they were on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a character in that I could talk about Titanic for hours, you know, a character I feel the most sympathy towards in that whole movie is, um, Oh, what's his name? He's the guy who, uh, who built the ship. And I can't think of his name in real life. Andrews? Oh, real life. I don't know. It's real oh. life name. <laughs> is it Andrews? I don't know. Is it, he's, he's not the smarmy one. He's the one who fixes the clock right before he dies. Yeah, that's Andrews. That's Andrews, right. Yeah. Boy, there are eight paragraphs per character on the cast list. I can't <laughs> even scroll down. Victor Garber. Yeah, Andrews. Yeah. He's so nice. He gives her his life jacket at the end. And then he just sits there and just thinks about his failure. Oh, God, it kills me. Also that and the captain. Um, that really affected me as a child. Anyway, I, I feel bad for the crew member. They turned into a villain, even though he wasn't. Which oh, Ian is that? No, it's not. Oh, the guy with the gun. Yeah, sure. yeah. This oh. The, 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 oh, because the one who's it, because like, oh, I'm life, gonna steal a lifeboat yeah. and uh, like yeah. kill these children to get on. But in real life, he was actually like a noble dude. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah, they really <laughs> fucked with that dude's legacy. <laughs> and his family watched it after, and they were like, "Hey," which <laughs> which. Which really just makes you think, uh, why couldn't we have just made up a character? Why did you give him that name? That seems silly. Have you guys heard the um, the Titanic uh, poisoning story? Let me try to find this. No. Ahmad, I said no. on the podcast, I don't know if you heard that episode, but let me find it. Um it, okay, I'll, I think I'll just say a disgruntled. Uh, I don't have to look up a disgruntled crew member. I'll just find it here. Titanic. Just LSD. So this um, is on. This is during like the shooting of the movie. Mm-hmm. Not like a crew member aboard the ship. Yes, this is this is this is in real life. Um, they were in Nova Scotia shooting present day stuff. And uh, I believe, so I don't know why this isn't just on Wikipedia anymore. Um, someone mixed PCP in the soup for lunch and everyone got violently ill. Wow. And apparently James Cameron made him throw, throw made himself throw up so he wouldn't get, uh, he wouldn't hallucinate. <laughs> and uh, that's a famous uh, Titanic story. Um can I also just talk about one more thing? I know we talked about Titanic a lot when playing our game last night. I know. Just hang on one more thing. Do you, sure. do you know the sound? Okay. So when they're in the big ballroom and the windows start to break and people are getting sucked out of the hole, you know, mm-hmm. there is a noise that like the, the wind and the force makes. And it's like a screeching noise as someone's getting sucked through that scared the shit out of me as a kid. I did not like that at all. That was horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Noah doesn't like the ocean anyway. He's afraid of it. And uh, uh, it's imposing and bad. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff down there that we don't know. Um, all right, Noah, where are we? What, what's happening? I, well, yeah, I'm going to uh, bring us back on track here. We have one vote. <laughs> in uh, excuse Legacy. me, I did that just now by telling you to to tell us where we are. <laughs> we have one vote in Legacy. Uh, Karen voted for Mrs. Doubtfire. Ahmad, uh, the Legacy of Titanic. Uh, where do you go? Uh, I voted or for Doubtfire, I guess. The question <laughs> is whether or not Titanic has a legacy. Uh, I voted for Titanic simply off of uh, one, it being the box office like benchmark for so long because of how much money it made. And then also mm-hmm. even 
the fact that it probably inspired a lot of these like three hour epic movies, you know, years, years afterwards. So I thought that was enough for me to give for it to get the legacy, this legacy category. Yeah. The thing about, you know, the three hours stuff is like, obviously people have been making three hour movies for, you know, the English patient is long, Forrest Gump is long, but this really was like this modern epic special effects three hour movie. And we, we, we had a question maybe two episodes ago where we were like, do we get like the Lord of the Rings if Titanic wasn't so successful? Because it was such a huge fandom and it really like spread across every, you know, we talk about these, how in the two thousands, the big budget R rated movie or movies, very niche to genre kind of went by the wayside and studios were searching for, four quadrant blockbusters, which is like, it reaches every single demographic, every, every age, every gender, everyone wants to see this movie. And that's really what they're looking for. And so I really think it almost started with this. This was just massive and everyone wanted to see it. Um, and I think that the records this holds and the Academy Awards and, you know, it's still tied for the most Academy Awards with Return of the King and Ben-Hur and this for with 11. Um, and wow. so I, I, I think it, it it is Titanic as well. No, what about you? I, yeah, I am. A, I just think when it comes down to it between the two movies, Titanic is more likely to have uh, the devoted Karen-esque super fan. People who have seen the movie uh, upwards of 200 times. Uh, <laughs> plus the award success. I, I vote Titanic as well. And so, where does that leave us? Presently, uh, Brian and Ahmad have Titanic winning. Uh, Karen and I have it tied. Mm. So now we go down to the final category because Titanic still has not clinched it, which is surprising to me. Good okay. for Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, legacy of the legacy of the participants, director, cast. Titanic has the huge Leonardo DiCaprio factor. He's still our biggest movie star. Really, the only per- actor on earth to just open a movie by himself without any without playing a character people know or being in a franchise. Um, and then this is Doubtfire, a big on Chris Columbus's resume. He also did the first two Harry Potters and uh, both uh, Home Alones and uh, big for Robin Williams. Noah, let's start off with you. I, I, th- I think it's gotta be Titanic. It launched Leo's career. I, uh, his certainly his uh, his superstar career yeah uh, and you know you and i have talked about this many times it might be james cameron's most important movie mm-hmm. and i think he's it is. Uh, one of these the biggest director alive even though he's made like five movies. yeah it's so strange how we qualify uh, him as that and he's only made like five movies <laughs> so yeah it's, uh, it's quite quality over quantity so my vote is titanic okay Karen, what about you? Yeah, I would go the same way and just add to the conversation that I think we have to say that Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yes, I. I have not forgotten. I've mentioned yeah. her on previous podcasts. She's one of our most acclaimed actresses and uh, one mayor of, of East Town herself. She is the mayor of East Town. Uh, we all know that her most famous role, Mayor of East Town. Uh, of episode, yeah. episode three airs tonight. We all know what that is. I mean, uh, yeah, we all know. Sure. yeah, we all know. Yeah, we all know. We all know. Yeah, it's on HBO Max and HBO. Yeah. We don't. We don't even have to. We don't even. Well, have to I, don't, I don't even say anything more about it. Details that we all know. She's yeah, in Philadelphia. She has we, all, we all understand. Yeah. Uh, no, but she has one Oscar. She has like nine nominations. She's only won once for some reason. Um, yeah, she's a she's a big part of this too, and um, and the James Cameron thing as well. So I think it's a good pick. Amad, what about you? 
Yeah, I vote Titanic. I thought the Cameron, DiCaprio, Winslet trio was enough to edge out Williams and even uh, Columbus. Yeah, I I agree. Mrs. Doubtfire goes down. Yeah, I think that, I think that that uh, for all of Titanic's credits, mm-hmm. I think the broader legacy of Leo, Kate Winslet, and James Cameron might be its strongest case uh, in any of the categories. <sighs> Uh, yeah, I think so too. Because it's it's got a weak percentage relatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're iffy on it on quality, and um, yeah, I think you're right. Titanic moves on t- to the final four weddings and a funeral. Um, let's see what it'll face. Will it be the winner of the horror division, the John Carpenter division winner, the three seed Silence of the Lambs, or fellow three seed Toy Story out of the Steven Spielberg division, the franchise starter? Um expectations for this round this matchup Ahmad how do you feel what do you think uh I feel like Toy Story could run away with this not like sweep run away with this but win handily but I'm interested to see what everybody else thinks okay Karen how do you yeah I feel similarly um I'm I'm I'll stop there I'm interested to hear what everyone else thinks Okay, Noah. I think Silence of the Lambs is. I think you guys are uh, are overlooking it. I think it's a it's a very strong contender in this tournament. Let's find out just how strong Silence of the Lambs, the three seed, was released February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, nineteen ninety one. Opening weekend, thirteen million dollars. Final gross, one hundred and thirty. Titanic was released November twenty second, nineteen ninety five. Opening weekend. 23 million on the first Friday to Sunday, and it opened on Wednesday for Thanksgiving. So 39 million from Wednesday to Sunday. Final gross, 191 million. Bigger profit relative to budget. Sounds of the Lambs cost $19 million to make it gross 272. That's a profit of 1,435. Toy Story cost $30 million to make it gross 244. That's a profit of 815. Game one goes to Sounds of the Lambs. Okay, quality of movie. We had two. I don't know, Karen had. I know Ahmad had. Had you seen Sounds of the Lambs before this? I had, yeah. Ooh, it, terrific! What did you? What do you think of it? And what did you think of it this time? Uh, thrillers, especially like body horror thrillers, are mm-hmm. not my personal kind of favorite movie. Right. Um, but I can't deny that the the storytelling is very clever. The movie keeps you on your toes. Um, the practical effects that they used for the time were very believable and very mm-hmm. visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I liked it. Ahmad, how did you feel about The Silence of the Lambs? Your first time seeing it? <laughs> yeah, first time seeing it. Uh, I liked it as well. I'm a big fan of thrillers, um, especially well-made ones. And I think this certainly falls in that category. Hopkins and Jodie Foster were both incredible. Um, yeah, I was a fan. Uh, uh, Noah, what yes. is your pick for quality of movie? Uh, well, as soon as we lost Pulp Fiction, I think Silence of the Lambs took a, a pretty comfortable hold on the title of best movie left in the tournament. So uh, it gets my vote here. That's what I figured. I also want to mention... Um, Ted Levine, who plays Bill, is uh, really, really good in it. And I think if you didn't have Hannibal and Ted Levine was just the villain, um, 
people would talk about it more as a performance. Um, I think that's probably right. I love Silence of the Lambs. I love the cinematography. I think it has so many components that make it unique and memorable. The ending with the with the uh, night vision goggles is scary to this. I know what's going to happen and it still scares me. I really don't like it and I think it's great. <laughs> uh, Jodie Foster maybe gives the best performance in the movie, which is odd because uh, everyone just takes this as the Hannibal show, but he's in it for so short amount of time and she's so good. In it. Her The shot of her in the elevator at, at the FBI headquarters and there's just like towering agents over her and she's just tiny and I mean it's just and the power that she carries, even in that image, she's so good. Uh, it's got so many twists. Got one of the best last lines in film history. I mean, just it's it's a it's a masterwork. I do think that uh, my vote is going to Toy Story. I cannot deny its magic and its uh, its its quality. This this immediate immediate Pixar uh, formula that they create. It's the same exact voice and tone as every other classic Pixar movies, and it's fresh out the the box. Stop, look and watch. Ready, it gets set. Uh, Toy Story gets my vote. <laughs> I found I couldn't stop once I said that. So. Uh, Ahmad, what about you? Quality movie. Um, yeah, si- The Science of the Lambs was a great first watch for me, but it it didn't do enough to, you know, unseat what Toy Story has done in my mind, in my heart. Um, I love Toy Story. Um, I asked myself if because these movies are so different and, you know, they're kind of at the top of their individual genres. If one of these movies was to disappear from movie canon, which one would I like sorely miss? And that one's definitely Toy Story. So it gets my vote. And you said it had been a while since you had rewatched it, right? Toy Story? Yeah, it'd been at at least 10 years, I would say. I mean, as (laughs) well, well, yeah, I don't know. I was about to say, well, you were watching Titanic, but I don't know what Ahmad's been watching. Karen, you've been watching all the movies. I don't I know what Ahmad's been listening doing to music. In the music. Yeah, Ahmad's listening yeah. to music, I guess. Uh, which I, which is fitting. Um, how did it play as as an adult, though? I mean, it's because it is so full of adult themes and stuff. It's uh, it's yeah. great. It's great. And also we, just the graphics. Yeah, know? we were we were noticing like jokes they made that was like for our age group that we we didn't. You have an example of that. Yes. You were saying that earlier. Yes, in okay. the first like it? twenty minutes when um when Slinky, uh, I don't know if that's his formal name. Yes, um, but when yeah, Slinky is. is talking to Woody and he's essentially kissing his ass, Mr. Potato Head takes the lips off of himself and like presses <laughs> yeah, it sure. against his butt. Yeah, I was like, sure, sure, "Whoa, sure. where did that joke come from? I don't remember that joke." Um, so stuff like that, and it was it was it was such a, a great movie to revisit. Even now, like that was that would I would watch that movie again tomorrow. It was just it was such a good movie. Uh, Karen, what about you? Yeah, I agree. A lot of the visual gags were really refreshing to catch as an adult. And I appreciated that a lot of the adult jokes were just silent and in the background. Right. You had to have a sort of level of attention to detail that kids just right. don't to catch them. Right. Um, like I said, this is tough for me because thrillers are really just not my bag. So if you if you asked me which of these movies I wanted to watch again... It would definitely be Toy Story. Okay. I mean, uh-huh. Toy Story has thriller elements. I mean, Sid's room at the beginning <laughs> is, that is true. frightening. Sure. I would I would counter that by saying Silence of the Lambs has a lot of very impressive adult themes. 
that really that really play to our age group. Yes, and not Fair as point. surprising, I don't think, that we're watching <laughs> South Slams and going, my God, they really, uh, that's very mature of them. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Sorry, I just, I just recognize I'm just saying. Yes, yes, sure. I, I don't think I really took in the argument that Silence of the Lambs was trying to make about gender and about yeah. Jodie Foster's character's place in the overall power structure of the FBI when I first mm-hmm. watched this. And watching it again, I also don't know if they actually made that point well enough. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of it was sort of left to innuendo. And I wonder if maybe the people who would have benefited most from catching that point would have missed it. I'm interested to hear what you think about that. I mean, that is fair. It's, it's an interesting line to toe because like their whole point is that she's not capable and there's, there's the subtext of it's because she's a woman, right? The, the whole elevator shot is her being a short woman is as a, you know, contrast to tall imposing men. And what I think I like about it is how she solves the case through her competency, obviously, but I like how nervous she is and inexperienced she is because it plays into the fact that she is, this is like her first case. She's still a student at the Academy. So when she's like in the, uh, in truly a terrifying moment that nobody talks about when she's searching the, uh, the storage unit and she's scared and like shaking and there's the big explosion that's very it feels very real and it it for me it grounds her character in the sense that she's just a young person who is learning how to do this i mean the movie is like there's a lot of arguments to make especially with buffalo bill about identity in general and oh yeah and that's, uh which is, you know it's a real tricky uh thing to to talk about in 2021 terms um I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward that uh, the sexual politics of the early 1990s were not as enlightened as uh, <laughs> they should have been. And it's just a uh, it's it's just a real miss. Uh, but a but I but I, I think it's it's one where like you just you, you completely get where it starts and finishes like, oh, yeah, they just these weren't things that were like talked about. So they don't really know how to do that. Uh, the whole Buffalo Bill routine in a way that's a little more sensitive. And that's what about an unfor- you? An unfortunate artifact of the past. Noah, what, what do you think about the, the Clarice uh, point? Uh, I think it's uh, I I agree that it's an interesting one. I think for me, uh, I, I like things that live in subtext. I, I think it is clear enough to me that the movie and the people making it had an understanding uh, and you know, a opposite of the Buffalo Bill situation, I think a relatively enlightened understanding of uh, Clarice's gender and how it uh, how it affects her place in the world. And I I agree that it wasn't necessarily like a a big like upfront moral theme in a way that uh, maybe could have enlightened some other people, uh, but just as as a person watching the movie, I think that makes it a richer experience for me to have to like go, go digging for the subtext rather than getting it up front. So it's kind of a, kind of a trade off in that way, I guess. I also think that Lecter doesn't get her through her issues. I think that he, he 
he like puts her on a path. And I think the whole movie is her silencing the lambs. You know, I think that every every one of, you know, again, her being scared in the surgery, her being, you know, scared, but just like forging ahead in the the black lights, the black light, the, the um, night vision scene is her internalizing that and working through it. So by the end of the movie, she did silence it. But I so those things were like, it seems like Lecter's helping her, but I don't think that he is. And I think that's what makes him such a great doctor. Um <laughs> <laughs> I also oh, he did he did get accredited you know I'm just that's not he's easy a, he's a brilliant man he plays people like a fiddle uh, I do want to mention uh, as well a fun um, person to come out of that movie although I don't think she did come out of it but uh, Cassie Lemons as her roommate and friend uh, for I mean she might still be acting but um, she was also in Candyman the original but uh, uh, an acclaimed uh, film director uh, she recently directed Harriet. The Harry Tubman movie, but more so Eve's Bayou, nineteen eighty seven, which is a oh. very good movie. It's on HBO Max. Um, she plays the uh, roommate. I always like seeing her, and also Roger Corman, who's a great B movie director. Uh, where did we leave off? No, what's what's the tally? Uh, so now uh, we have finished with quality of movie. We go on to harder road to success. Uh, everyone has it tied, but me. So harder road to success is a tricky one because one thirty isn't it's not nearly insane for an acclaimed uh you know oscar soon to be oscar winning it would be about a year but an acclaimed and buzzy film making 130 million dollars back in the early 90s nowadays that would be outstanding but back then people would see movies because it was acclaimed or because it was being talked about and uh and they wanted to see it um and then you look over to the Toy Story side, and it's right in the same range as Aladdin, which had come out two years, uh, three years prior, and The Lion King. Uh, it made less than The Lion King, obviously, but it, it's in that range of uh, of big Disney powerhouses. The only difference, and also, of course, it had the huge cast. I mean, t- t- Tim Allen was in the middle of Home Improvement. Tom Hanks had just won back-to-back Academy Awards, biggest star of the 90s. And so it has these elements, but it was this uh, experimental form of genre. So it had the Disney label on top, Walt Disney Pictures Presents, but it was this new kind of foray into animation as Disney was peaking with their we make hand-drawn musicals phase. So is the, is the harder road uh, a horror slash thriller making a decent amount of money, uh, or is it the Disney powerhouse releasing a movie that was just against their successful formula with two big stars in it. Uh, how do we feel Noah? I am once again, leaning silence of the lambs here. I think, uh, you know, the one thirty is not a mind blowing number, but it's also not, uh, it's nothing to sneeze at. It's very impressive. It was hardly a foregone conclusion that, uh, this movie would make $130 million in 1991. Uh, and the, you know, Toy Story obviously is different than the style of movie that Disney was putting out at the time, but you know, it's, I don't, I don't know that it's like a radical experimental sort of thing. Uh, it's still a, like you said, a high profile, uh, very prominent cast, uh, animated movie coming out with the Disney name. I. Uh, Plus, if you include the Best Picture win in its success, uh, a horror movie has never won Best Picture before or since. No. 
So that seems to be uh, basically all but impossible. And Silence of the Lambs gets my vote for those reasons. Okay, Maud, what about you? Uh, I also went Silence of the Lambs here. Um, I thought with the success of, you know, what Disney was doing prior with their animated movies, if I, you know, looked at these movies, you know, before, you know, without the hindsight that we have, like, okay, an Mm -hmm. animated movie with Tim Allen and Tom Hanks versus a, a horror movie with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster, like, which one do I think is going to be, you know, more more likely to be successful i would think toy story so i'm i'm voting silence of the lambs i i think that's right on the money my vote also silence of the lambs karen what about you going with the crowd silence of the lambs all right no where does that leave us and my book no not about so currently i have silence of the lambs winning 3-0 you all have silence of the lambs leading two to one as we go into our final two legacy categories Okay, Legacy of the Film. Sounds of the Lambs has an 85 on Metacritic, seven Academy Award nominations. It won the Big Five. Picture, director, actor, actress, and adapted screenplay, even though Anthony Hopkins probably should have been nominated in supporting actor. Toy Story, number one film in 1995, 95 on Metacritic, four Oscar nominations, including original screenplay, and it won a special, they just gave a special achievement Oscar to it that year. Um... Which one's more talked about? Which one's more revered? Is it the is it the only uh, horror best picture winner, uh, or is it the uh, the 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 movie that was, you know, is is now how uh, animated movies are made? I don't know. What do we think, Noah? I think uh, I'm actually going to go back to something uh, Ahmad said earlier about if you if you take these t- if you take these two movies out of the canon of their respective genres. If animated films no longer have toy story and if uh, sort of horror thrillers no longer have the silence of the lambs, which one, which one leaves a bigger hole. And uh, you know, you said toy story. I actually think the answer is silence of the lambs. I think uh, toy story is absolutely a top tier uh, animated film, but I think there are way more movies that it enjoys that tier with. Whereas Silence of the Lambs, I think, really kind of exists uh, within horror movies, within thrillers, on a much more specialized tier. That's interesting, though. But if I have a question for Ahmad in his uh, hypothetical circumstance here. If we do get rid of one of these movies, does it then take away the... Are we then rewriting history? Like Silence of the Lambs, if, if we get rid of Toy Story... That means that we're, you know, basically my, my question is, if we get rid of Toy Story, does Pixar exist? Are they able to make a movie that is as, if, if A Bug's Life is their first film, are they as successful? Uh, do we ever get Finding Nemo? Do we ever get Monsters, Inc.? Do they ever get the financing to make another movie? I don't know. But like Anthony I, Hopkins would still probably win an Oscar this year for The Father. I, I, feel, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that Pixar absolutely would still exist. Hmm. They were a, a a just complete brain trust of evidently incredibly talented and creative people uh, that Disney had no problem being like we want we want to be associated with you guys we want to put your movies out mm-hmm. uh, you know everyone everyone that made Finding Nemo was still there uh, Bugs Life problem I mean wouldn't have been the hit that Toy Story was but. I don't think it would have come out and had everyone go, well, we're done here. 
Yeah, that's uh, possible. I, I think all pretty much the rest of Pixar's history would have played out as it did, except we'd have four Finding Nemo's by now. So you are voting for uh, Silence. I think I am. Yeah. Okay. Not to not to be a broken record here. Uh, Karen, how do you feel? I mean, I I didn't realize that The Silence of the Lambs was the only movie that's ever the only horror movie that's ever won a best picture best Oscar. Picture. So yeah. I I think for that reason alone it's it's got to take more of a rarefied air than Toy Story, which is obviously an incredible movie, obviously a technical achievement for the time, but also we have many movies like it that have been recognized similarly. Okay, Ahmad, how do you what do you think? Um, I'm voting Toy Story here. Um, I think as the beginning of one of the biggest animated film franchises, um, what it did for Pixar and how it set the template for movies like Finding Nemo, which, you know, also made it to the the finals of the, uh, what was it? Multiplex Madness Madness 2000 2000 version Mm -hmm. of this tournament. Um, It's Toy Story for me. Yeah, it's Toy Story for me as well, and I think it is the influence it had on the industry. It changed. It's the only way anim- major animated movies are made now, is by computer. And this is the one that started it all, um, and uh, it it changed the uh, the game. I think Silence has just it, it has a really strong point in uh, it has a really strong stake in the ground as being the first. But it maybe if other. Maybe if a few other horror movies had one best picture prior to that, if it did start a trend in that regard, I might look at its legacy and go, okay, it really started this acceptance of horror movies can be regarded as high cinema um, by the Academy. They obviously are. But uh, but it, it didn't. I think the Toy Story's ongoing legacy to this day is still strong. And it's also just a cornerstone of so many kids of our generation. Um, so I'm giving it to Toy Story. Noah, where does that leave us? All right, so uh, currently uh, Karen and I have Silence of the Lambs as the victor, whereas you and Ahmad both have it tied two to two. So we uh, do okay. come down to the broader legacy of both films. Legacy of the uh, participants. So this, for me, is a contest between Anthony Hopkins and the character of Hannibal Lecter, right? And uh, Toy Story and Woody and Buzz, and Tom Hanks, and Tim Allen. And for me, the the clincher here, the reason I am voting for Toy Story is the what it means to its production company, to Pixar. It is the flagship. It is the only franchise that's had three, let alone four installments that they've made. And uh, it is the, the, the bit, you know, the ball, it, it, the Pizza Planet truck is in every one of their movies. The Toy Story ball is in every one of their movies. It's you feel it throughout every single movie that they still make, um, and it is the one that started it all for like this one of the most acclaimed and powerful companies in film history. So I am giving it to Toy Story. Noah, what about you? I I I think this is very close because of the sort of legacy of Pixar points. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say just in Silence of the Lambs' favor, Anthony Hopkins is not 
the only thing that movie has going for it. Uh, no, I just think that's the biggest thing it has going for it. Well, sure, you but you listed the biggest thing that Silence of the Lambs has, and everything. Oh, he thinks that I'm Toy so Story unfair. Has. He thinks I'm so unfair. I'm just, I don't I'm know where do you get the idea that I have one favorite over another. <laughs> I don't know where you come up with this stuff. Um, <laughs> no, obviously, Joe, I think Clarice is a heroine for the ages. I think that her name is synonymous with, uh, with, 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 with film and with heroes in film. Uh, Jodie Foster won her second Oscar for this movie. Uh, Jonathan Demme got his only Oscar, I think, for this. He's one of our uh, great yes, directors. Yes, that is An undersung his, his only Oscar. Um, and uh, and as I said, uh, I think Buffalo Bill is a formidable villain in film history. He's very scary. His but only nomination, in fact. That's crazy. He wasn't, well, I guess, you know, it's one of those things where Philadelphia feels like it's nominated for six Oscars and it's only nominated for like two. Um, yeah. But uh, I, there are other parts of it. I just, Hannibal Lecter is the creme de la creme. Ha- I, I, I agree that Hannibal Lecter is its biggest case just because Anthony Hopkins created like a Darth Vader level villain yeah. in this movie that... Uh, happens very rarely but Mm -hmm. i just i just want to make sure that we are acknowledging that this is the defining role of anthony hopkins whose career is prolific and incredibly long he just won an oscar a week or two ago i've already for time i think it's less i think it was last week which sounds Uh, crazy to me right i that was a week ago and it's a career defining role for jodie foster a multiple uh, multiple time oscar winner yeah. A, a acclaimed director in her own right yep at this point mm-hmm. uh, and just a, a, a huge uh, a huge success who doesn't love and, panic room we love and, panic room and the uh pro- probably the defining movie of jonathan demi who like you said is a, a very underrated, under, underrated uh, especially since his success largely came in the 90s and 2000s and then he made ricky and the flash later Okay, but uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's got a it's got a lot of points. But it I, does. I, th- I think I don't I don't know. I mean, my I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off just because my vote doesn't actually uh, change anything here and uh, throw to Ahmad who does uh, hold all the power in his hands. <laughs> Throwing it to Ahmad. Um. So Brian, you actually answered the the only and main question I had about this category is: Are we considering Pixar to be one of the participants? I I personally do, yeah. Um, because I wrote, you know, if we are considering Pixar, you know, along with Tom Hanks and and Tim Allen, then I gave Toast Toy Story the edge here. Mm-hmm. That's my vote. All right, Karen. What about you? We'll save Noah to last because he threw it away like a coward. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I for similar reasons for the for the Pixar of it all. If we're looking at the wider legacy, then it's got to go to Toy Story. No, I think I think I think I think that's probably right. And uh, again, my 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 vote doesn't sway anything here, so I won't overthink it too much. Uh, Pixar is very important. I want to see if this will work. Hold on. Okay. I don't think it does. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Well, he's he's saying something. I'm not gonna hold on forever. He's saying <laughs> something. I'm uh, not asking you to hold on. I'm asking our guests to hold on. I don't care what you do. All right. So I. Uh, it was close. That came down it, to the wire, basically. 
It did, and uh, formidable opponent. Yeah, it was not a not a perfect tie, but a tie in terms of uh, closest to being a tie without being a tie. Um, so, Wait, so who, who won? How did it? How did it win? Isn't it tied? Oh, go, I, I don't. Yeah. Know. I so, Toy Story just won. Yeah. It, no, well, it it is tied. Uh, oh. Karen and I both have Silence of the Lambs as oh, the winner. Right. And uh, you and Brian both have Toy Story as the winner. Uh, Silence of the Lambs did receive one more overall vote, but that's never factored in before, so I won't mm. try to make it factor in now. Uh, and in that case, we just default to uh, tiebreaker. overall domestic gross. So as a tiebreaker. Well, actually, our tiebreakers, a tournament. of course, our tiebreakers, similar to your system, uh, Ahmad, we... We look through all the scenes and we're going to pick maybe four or five scenes that are stand out and we're going to face them. We're going to talk about which one's the best. No, uh, it is the, uh, the highest. Lambs wins. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see about that. You're forgetting about your favorite thing in history, which is I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Um, uh, Toy Story moves on. This is the second tournament in a row where the animate, an animated film has come out of franchise starters. Shrek came out last time. Toy Story this time, it will face in just a mind-spinning matchup, Titanic in the final four weddings and a funeral for a place in the finals. That's in- incredible. Um, okay, uh, let's uh, let's uh, play. Uh, actually, I have, I guess, some box office news. I'll just get through this pretty quickly uh, because it wasn't as interesting as you would think. Um, the second weekend, basically, of Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer, Mugen Train, uh, they both dropped really hard, which makes sense. They're both very specifically targeted to specific audiences. They're not mass audience appeal. So uh, Demon Slayer is actually the number one film in America this weekend, The based on the popular Japanese anime. Dropped uh, 70%. It made another $6 million, 34 total. It's like I think maybe the third or the second highest grossing anime film in American history. I don't know. Um, and then Mortal Kombat dropped Noah 73%. Made six point two thirty four total. That's about that makes sense, right? This movie, no one's seeing this movie casually. There, there's obviously hope that because theaters are opening and it seems like people want to go to the movies, they'll just check it out. But uh, the movie's on HBO Max. It also sucks, so um, people just thought better of it <laughs> and uh, didn't want to go. Um, and uh, that's really where we're at. Uh, Noah Scott Pilgrim versus the World was re released for its tenth anniversary. In 152 theaters, it was the biggest per theater average this year. So I thought you'd like that little stat. I do. Okay, now we can move on, Noah. All right. Uh, It's time. I've lost my page. There it is. It's time to play everybody's latest favorite game. Did it make more or less less than than Shrek Shrek Forever Forever After's opening opening weekend? I... We all know how to play, but just in case (laughs) we don't, because we have guests this week, I'll go over the rules anyway. I will name a movie, and Brian will tell me whether its total gross was more or less than Shrek Forever After's opening Brian weekend. and guest, you guys are also playing. If you'd like, yes, we we, we, will, we uh, we'd like you to play as well. You can uh, you can cons- you can consult the panel and work as a team. <laughs> For a bonus point, you can choose to either name the movie's director or an unspecified yeah. number of cast members yeah. chosen by me. So basically this stemmed from a game we used to play when the box was our sponsor, where I would say, did it make more or less than the box? And say a movie, Noah would guess 
whether it made more or less in the box. This is just Shrek Forever After's opening weekend, the fourth Shrek yeah, film. I had to, whether I had to make movie, it a little more complicated because yeah. Brian knows more things than I do. <laughs> whether this movie that he's going to say in its entirety made more or less than that movie's opening weekend. I don't know what Shrek Forever After made opening weekend. I know vaguely it's probably high 60s, low 70s. So we'll, 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 we'll go from there. We'll work as a team. Go ahead, Noah. All right, your first film is Terminator Genesis. Ooh, okay. So that did make something in the 60s. That came out two years ago, uh, November 19. Um, I, you picked a, as a As a point of fact, you picked uh, a movie Terminator I doubt Genesis both our guests had came in 2015. Oh, Gen- I keep You're thinking, thinking Genesis... I keep getting Genesis and Dark Fate confused. Okay, it's very rude of you. <laughs> Dark Fate, which is good. You couldn't yes, have picked a movie that our movie. guests possibly have seen. You picked a shitty Terminator movie that nobody saw. Okay, did Ge- nobody see it? Uh, so I mean, it made a little bit. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say less, and I bet you're gonna tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you are wrong. Terminator Genesis yeah, made more. That's how more. this game works. I really don't like this game. Okay, uh, who directed? Uh, oh, I'll I'll I actually, I actually was a. Not yes. insignificantly more either. I actually know who directed it, but let's let, let's play the cast game. Um, I'm going to text you who directed it, so that'll be my answer. But I think for participation, we can consult the group about the people in it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to text you who I think directed it. Okay. Uh, I will be looking for five cast members of Terminator Genesis, which means you all get one incorrect answer without okay. losing do either of you remember this movie at all? I have never seen this movie. No. So <laughs> Do you remember sorry. the it's, posters for this movie? Don't no. don't be sorry. It's quite bad, Brian. You are correct. It was directed by Alan Taylor of Television. So, I get, so do I get the point, or do I need to do the cast thing? No, you, you get the point. Great. All right. So how many five? Five. Yes. Jai Courtney, uh, the other guy who Jason Clark, who I really like, um, Amelia Clark. Both Clarks, yes, no Arnold Schwarzenegger in a cameo on betting. And I'm going to say Matt Smith, who played the little computer. He did play the little computer. Okay. Uh, that is who correct. Else could he, also, have gotten? he also could have gone with J.K. Simmons or Courtney B. Vance. Huh. Uh, I did not remember Courtney B. Vance was in that. Neither did I. He played Miles Dyson. I don't know who that is. He's, uh, I think, the guy that the guy from the Skynet. first or second one? Yeah, no, from the second okay. one. I got you. Uh, all right. So that's one point for Terminator Genesis. Our second film. Yeah. Uh, it's called Identity. Do you know identity based on the title? <laughs> yeah, I know do what want... identity yeah, right. is. I, I do know what identity is. Oh, God. Uh, that made uh, less. It did make less. Came out in 2003, quite the, uh, you know, speaking of, speaking of horror thrillers, Shit. a bunch of strangers in a motel, and yeah. then uh, people start getting bats uh, shoved okay. into their mouths. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's about strangers who are, like, stranded at a motel, and then they're like, wait a minute, are we all have the same birthday. What's going on here? And then they start to be killed. And the twist, weird. because I'll just say it, because it's not That's, super good. No, it's not. Is that uh, it's actually um, they are all the same person who has like multiple personality disorder? Is that what yes, it is, Noah? I believe that is it. Huh. And he's is he even in a hotel or is he like in a hospital? That part I don't remember. Really, all I remember about identity 
is that in high school, uh, you and I and several of our friends were watching this film. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think we were watching it like on DVD or something. And for some reason, the DVD player stopped working with 15 minutes to go. So like the six of us in my living room all crowded around a laptop computer and watched the end of it. I don't remember this at all. Uh, none of us were really into it, but we were pot committed. So we had to finish the movie and it was very, it was very uncomfortable because as you can imagine, laptops are small and it's hard for six people to watch one thing on it. it. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many, I don't know how many, how many Titanic anecdotes did you tell? I couldn't even find <laughs> one identity it, story. It was uncomfortable because I don't know if you guys think about how a laptop is small, right? And there's a lot of people, so they don't have to get around and look at a small laptop. Um, I'm just trying to get past this identity because I don't know who directed it. And I think I'm, I'm going to know when you say it and I'm not going to get too many people. So how many people do you want me to get? I want you to get three people. Amanda Pete, John Cusack, and that's the problem. A lot of options. And I can't get any wrong, right? Correct. It's only three. And it's a prominent director, so. uh, Well, fine. Is it Friedkin? No, that can't be right. Um... Oh, God. No, I don't know. Uh, 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 I want to say there's like a big guy in it. I'll need a little more than that. It's like a big guy. He's like a tough big guy. Maybe he's fat. I don't know. Uh, but he's big. Like a, a, a Oliver it's Platt. Not... No. Fuck. No, I believe okay. uh, the actor you're thinking of is Alfred Molina. Maybe. Who else is in it? Uh, you got Ray Liotta. You got John Hawks. You got John C. McGinley. You got Clea Duvall. Uh, oh, sure. Jake Busey. Rebecca okay. De Mornay. Oh, how could I forget Rebecca De Mornay was in it? Um, who directed it? James Mangold. Oh, I didn't know that. Neither did I. What's I our last one? The last film, uh, and you get one point for identity as Thank well. Thank you. Mark down. Your last film is Beowulf. <laughs> You guys remember Beowulf? Uh, I've never seen it, but I remember people talking about it. Yeah, I remember. Never seen it, but I know the epic poem. (laughs) You remember declining? (laughs) The option. Our our high school uh, tried to get all the freshmen to go because we had to read it for survey of literature, and I declined. Mm. That was the only field trip I've ever declined. Uh, You had to read Beowulf as a freshman in high school. Good lord. They made us read the Odyssey, and I thought that was a little much. But Beowulf, Jesus. An old man in the back going, isn't that like Middle English? Our teacher was very Uh, into it. It was intense. Christ. Did did he like the movie? Did he think it was a good adaptation? (laughs) I don't remember him saying bad things. That could have just been to protect his field trip budget, though. Oh sure. Could have been some politics at work there. I could never think of turning down like a movie. Was it during class? Like did you just stay in school instead of going, or was it like go on the weekend kind of thing? No, I I stayed at school rather than seeing that movie. That's how much I disliked mm, wow. the epic poem. <laughs> we're, we're we're different people. Fair. It's 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 impressive. Yeah. Just it speaks to your character. It's incredibly <laughs> impressive to go, you know, go go to a, go to a movie for free, fall asleep during the movie. Who cares? Uh, or stay in school. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, Learn. I would have. I would have said I'm going to the bathroom and then seen like you know whatever was playing next door. Uh, 
Okay, I know who directed it. Okay. Because it was it was it was like experimental technology for him. Yeah, he did it, was it with like the, weird motion capture. He shit. did it with the Polar Express. It was Robert Zemeckis. It was Robert Zemeckis. And I know, oh man, the guy who played Beowulf. I know Angelina Jolie's in it, uh, but yes. I don't remember the. Is it Ray Winstone? That is correct. Okay, great. And it made uh, more. It did make more. Well done. That's a a two point affair. Terrific. Uh, would you have been able to name a third cast member? No. I would have been looking for three. No, no, no. Uh, Crispin Glover plays Grendel, <laughs> the, the Beast. Uh, you also have Robin Wright and Anthony Hopkins. No, well, maybe Hopkins, but I feel like they all looked different, except for Angelina Jolie, who looked sure. like Angelina Jolie. All right. I, Great, I did it. So yeah, closing out on two points there. And uh, now we will uh, close off with Come and Gone from a Theater Near You. Are we ready to go back in time? I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready to go back in time? Always. Yeah. Wow. I, At a moment's notice, I'm out. We'll go back. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't anything. matter what he's doing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this week, uh, a few weeks ago, I tried to do week 15 of 2015. It didn't work out. This week, we are doing week 18 of 2018. It is May 4th. We did 2018 last week. Well, now it's a it's a follow-up because I think it's interesting. Last so this week, is, last week was Infinity War. Yeah, and this is what tried to open uh, the week Infinity after War. Infinity War. Oh, boy. Was this the they other, are, was this the, I, now we can guess as many things as we want. Was that, was this the other woman? Uh, the other woman. Is it, it would be on the list. list. It would be high up on the list. So I guess no, it's not. Then it. no. What tried to open against Infinity? I don't know. No, give me some clues. Okay, so second uh, week, this is our second episode. Yeah, so we're looking at uh, a comedy in uh, in the number two slot. One hundred and forty eight episodes ago. Uh, it was a comedy. Did we yeah. see this comedy? No. No. But it oh, does feature. Yeah, go ahead. Was it I was going to say it does feature a sort of uh, modern day uh, box office draw in yes. the lead. My my thinking is Kevin Hart. No. Okay, I thought wrong. My thinking now. This is this guy is a draw in a comedy. Yeah. Okay. So guys, who is like big in comedies now? <laughs> who is not Kevin Hart? Let me let me let me tell you what he's not. A, a draw to any of us necessarily. Mm. Okay, so it's not Larry the Cable Guy hasn't made a movie in a while. No, so he I, has not. I don't think it's him. Think a little smaller scale, perhaps. Then Larry the Cable Guy. This is also a. Uh, I'll also tell you that this film is a remake of the 1987 film of the same name. Oh, it's um, Overboard. Overboard is correct. You, what is his name? Eugene. Eugenio Derbez. Yeah, he's a huge Latin star uh, who uh, tried to make it big in America. And I think that movie was kind of successful. Also, Anna Ferris was in it. Um, was. It opened. I'm a boy. God. I'm going to say it opened to 15, 14, 14, 14. It opened to 14, 14.7. Nailed it. Yes. Is that the uh, one that it opened? Yeah, that's the only one that I'm going to hold you to. The uh, another one opened at number six, which we saw in theaters. Uh, I didn't like it at all. You, I think, were mixed. 
Uh, my only other clue is that we already talked about Terminator Dark Fate. So it's a so. different... It's not a Terminator movie. No. But think about Terminator Dark Fate and the people in it. W- Linda Hamilton. Term- no, think more Mc- the, 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 Mc- the star. Mackenzie Davis was in... Um, I don't know. What is it? Mackenzie Davis was in Tully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tully. Jason Reitman. We talked about him, yeah. too, earlier. Uh, that was your example. It was Juno. Um, yeah. yeah, I did like Tully. You didn't like him. Yeah. Charlie's Theron. No. It's $3 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah. And that's all we got. That's all we got, guys. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. We generally recommend a movie to uh, the people. Is there anything that you – and this could be a movie. could not be a movie. I'll open up the floor. Um, anything that you think uh, people should watch while they're at home or out and about? What do you think? Anything to recommend? While you think about it, no. Wh- why don't you go? Because you knew this was coming. Okay. I did know it was coming. So I will recommend oh. uh, to go back into my uh, go back into my logs. I'm going to recommend a movie to everyone but Karen, who I think should probably stay away from The Dark and the Wicked, which is a horror film that came out last year. It is on the streaming service Shudder. Uh, it is very much uh, belonging to the genre of the devil's in my house, and I don't like it. I doesn't Classic break any new genre. ground, but does uh, does everything it does really well. Pretty creepy. Pretty the upsetting. devil's in my house, and I don't remember <laughs> inviting him. <laughs> we did all the same. Uh, things don't go super well for the people in the house, as you can expect. Oh my goodness! Uh, very well done. If you don't, if you don't want the devil in your house, I would check out the dark and the wicked. Oh, is it? Will it help you with getting them out or keeping them out? You'll just be able to relate. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm looking through my list. I don't have anything like major that I think people should watch. Uh, I guess I don't have to pick something that's on a streaming service. That's true. So I'm going to go with uh, the movie that uh, just gave up its crown as best picture at the Oscars, Parasite. I just rewatched that. It's terrific. Um, little puzzle box that unfolds in front of you. It's like a Rubik's Cube. You see all the pieces moving as they as the, as it happens. And it's full of surprises. So watch that. It's still a really, really good time. Um, also, uh, yeah. it is, in fact, on a streaming service. It's on Hulu, it's right? Not on Hulu, yeah. I watch not Criterion Collection, no big deal. Um, what about you guys? Uh, bully Any, for you. Anything that you've watched that uh, stands out? Uh, nothing that I've watched, but something that I'm about to watch, all the listeners can watch it with me, is uh, Concrete Whoa. Cowboy on Netflix, um, starring Caleb McLaughlin and Idris Elba. It looks Idris like a really good movie, yeah. um, so check it out with me. Okay, so uh, Mod will watch this tomorrow night uh, when this episode <laughs> drops. We'll be live tweeting it. Uh, follow along. Uh, Karen, what about you? Anything that you've seen recently or that you want to see? Yeah, I uh, I just finished. This is not a movie. Uh, I just well, fi- well yeah. it is sort of. So I just finished Avatar: The Last Airbender, the animated mm. series. Uh, people have been recommending this to me since probably like when it ended. But it, it aired just after my Nickelodeon era. Uh, so I, I felt like it was below me for a long time. But it is truly an excellent show. Uh, and don't watch the movie. Do watch the show. Oh, the Night Shyamalan movie. 
Yes. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and endorse that recommendation. Love that show. Uh, that was a uh, early rewatch during quarantine for Katie and I. Mm. Uh, a lot of fun. Have you watched uh, The Legend of Korra? I'm in season two right now. Okay. Uh, it's a really gets, cool world. Gets, it is. It's very cool. I think I think season two kind of goes off the rails a little bit, but three and four are really fucking good. Appreciate the warning. <laughs> Watch Just out! Don't, for the don't get don't get scared off when you're like, oh god, it's weird now. <laughs> it writes the ship. It's very good. Okay. Very fond of Korra as well. Okay, uh, Noah, plug us up. All right, you can find us at whatsintheboxoffice.com. We are on Twitter at witboxoffice. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Druki. I'm at Brian DeServer, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. Of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher, among others, I'd imagine. You know how things <laughs> spread. We don't know. <laughs> don't ask us. I mean, I don't have a comprehensive list. Don't but ask But I feel us. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ask us because I don't have a list. But uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, we're happy to have you. Yes, and I do want to uh, give a moment to shout out, uh, first of all, Mod and Karen, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, speaking of happy to have you. <laughs> of co- Yes, it was very happy to have you. We appreciate you doing this and putting up with our games as well. Um, and uh, uh, talk about your pot. You just had a huge tournament. The, the, the Back in the day, volume two. Tell us about it. Tell the viewers. Yeah. Back in the day, Tournament Volume 2, we set out to determine the best R&B album of the past decade. So from 2010 to 2019. Uh, just wrapped that up uh, last week. I won't give away the winner in case you know people are interested. No, in but tell us what, who, what, what albums were contending. You had some heavyweights in there. Yeah. Um, so there were both of Frank Ocean's popular albums, Channel Orange and Blonde. The Weeknd was in there with Beauty Behind the Madness trilogy. Beyonce had three albums in the tournament. Um, her last three albums. What, what, what an it? overachiever. <laughs> what yeah. an overachiever. Um, Rihanna also had two in there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's packed with a lot of really good albums um a lot of underrated albums i think as well so it's i think it's a good um good reason to revisit a lot of good r&b that came out uh, over the past 10 years so check it out absolutely um, at totb the podcast instagram twitter and facebook um and it's on all podcast feeds as thinking outside the boombox also if you love the weekend please just um you know, Karen doesn't reveal her social media tags, but if you could send it to <laughs> to the Thinking Outside the Boombox Twitter, yeah, I'll make sure relay she them. Yeah, uh, I, I want the smoke. Or <laughs> solidarity. If if you cannot stand the weekend, you 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 have someone who's fighting for you. You know, your voice is heard. Your voice is heard. Uh, as someone who likes some weekend songs, but generally uh, pretty neutral, I will uh, abstain from adding <laughs> you. Fair <laughs> enough. Good, good call. Good call. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, this was uh, lovely to have you both. And uh, next week, uh, the guests continue, but also the matchups. Fighting for a spot in the final four weddings and a funeral, the one seed, the Lion King, will take on the fourth seed speed 
And the one seed Pretty Woman takes on the one seed Terminator 2 Judgment Day. All that is next week. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. Thank you for listening. And in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.